you a simple question. What did Jesus die for? Now, I know what I, I know. That's a, that's sort of a silly question, right? What did Jesus die for? And we give the we'll give the correct answer. Well, he died for the world. He died for my sins. Yes and yes. But. For those of us that have experienced the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ because we've been obedient to the gospel, right? The, the, the gospel is the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you believe into the gospel, you need to be obedient to the gospel and have an experience of death, burial, and resurrection in your own life. Repentance. Baptism, which is, signifies burial. Infilling of the Holy Ghost, which is representative of a of, of, of a resurrection. We have those things in our life. So for those of us that have experienced those things, what did Jesus die for? And I've said this before, and I just want to say it again, because I think it's such a huge point. Jesus is not just interested in you making it to heaven. Now, I know I just said that and half of you just went, what? But think about it. If this was simply about you and I making it to heaven, why leave us here? That's been sort of the question I've asked for years now. If this is only about getting to heaven, why leave Why leave me here? Because I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't know how you are, but for me, man, the longer I stay here, the more chances I have to mess it up. So God, be merciful on me. Take me now. So... It can't just be that God's interested in saving me. So, okay, if he's interested, it's not, it's not just about me saving, getting to heaven. There's a bigger purpose. What's that bigger purpose? Well, well, then for me to be blessed, for me to have my best life now, for me to have my dreams and my visions fulfilled. But let's stop for a moment. And let's, let's follow that out for a second. Did Jesus Christ come to this earth? In the, in the story that we tell at this time of year of, of this virgin birth, live for 30 years in, in obscurity and for three and a half years in his ministry had such a major effect. And then one single event became the hinge on which all of history rotates. That even secular history rotates on this sort of one singular event. And that is the, the death of Jesus Christ was all that so that you and I could have the best life we can have now in comfort, in pain-free, problem-free, pressure-free life. Is that really what God did? Did the sacrifice of the cross happen so that you and I sitting here today can have our life in this sort of utopic existence where it's seemingly whatever struggle we have, God's got an answer and therefore he takes it away. And we just, we just move from blessing to blessing. I've talked about this at length the last couple of years, and I'm not trying to go back down that road again, but it's something we can, can got to continue to understand because if we're not careful, it's so easy to fall into this, into this rut of thinking that somehow God has come to make my life to this level of expectation. And then my question is whose expectation? And usually it's our own expectation. And then my reply to that is where did we get that expectation? Because what we expect from God now is not what they expected from God a hundred years ago. Our level of existence now, what we think and look at as comfort, what we look at, what we look now as success, 
what we look to now as, as, as an expectancy of life and a threshold by which all of us should expect living in America to have. We should have these things. These are sort of these, 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 these baseline expectations. They didn't have those same baseline expectations a hundred years ago. So it's very arrogant for us to think that God somehow came to this earth, lived, died, and was resurrected so that you and I could live our best 2023 life. I don't believe that's the case. I don't believe that's the case at all. Now, does God care about your life? 100%. Does he want to give you peace and joy? Yes. Does he want to give you contentment? Yes. But I said it earlier, none of those things are predicated upon your circumstance. I've seen people who were at peace and happy and content in the saddest of circumstances naturally. And I've seen people who were miserable in what we would be considered to be the best of circumstances. And we continue, and I'm not, I don't want, I'm not going here today, but I just can't pass this point up. I feel strongly that someone needs to hear this. We continue to buy into the lie that if we can just get that one more thing fixed or that one more thing achieved or that one more thing in our possession, that thing will finally reach the pinnacle that, man, when I get that, then this. But we never chase it. It's, you have, if you have a dog, you've seen it. We have a dog. It's, he does the same thing because it's a dog. That's what they do. It's the dumbest thing to watch a dog chase its own tail. Because as much as they try to take, grab that tail, they don't understand that that tail is attached to them. And the more they chase it, the far, it just, and they go around in circles. My dog will just spin trying to get his tail. And we look at that and go, uh, does he realize that he can't ever get it because it's just the, this physics doesn't work? That's what we look like half the time. We're chasing our own tail. We're chasing something that we we think is right just beyond our grasp. And if we can grab a hold of it, man, it's going to change everything. But we just never seem to get it. It's like that the, my kids played did, did this to me. I think they saw it on YouTube or something. They said, Dad, can you can you uh, can you lick your elbow? Never thought about that before, honestly. But try it. Can you? Never try it. Now, maybe you have some kind of amazing ability to dislocate your shoulder and get it. I have no ability. And they laughed when I was trying to do it. But we kind of do that in our own life. We try to do things that really are impossible, but somehow we think we're going to be the ones to hack the system. We're going to be the ones of everybody that's ever lived. We were the ones that are going to figure this out. And the thing about it is, is that we've got something that sort of frames all that. God's already given us this pattern. God's given us what this was supposed to all be about. There's, there's no way possible that all of this, all, all of this exists so that you and I can live and go to school. I don't know why I'm going down this road. This wasn't where I would think I'm going, but we'll just go for a while and see where the Lord takes it. But there's no way possible that all this exists so you and I can, 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 can be born and then go to kindergarten and then go to first 
grade through 12th grade. And after that, we graduate. And some of us go off to college. Some of us go off to work. And then we work our 30, our 40 years so that we can get in our 60s and our 70s and retire and sit around in our home watching our body fall apart, just existing. And that's what all this was for. There's no way possible. That's what God intended for all of this. That you and I are here today and we exist for the, for the express reason of spending 30, 40, 50 years accumulating all that we want and all that we need. So the last 15, 20, 25, 10, 30, whatever long you get on this earth after you retire, you can live in relatively ease and comfort as long as you can. The villages may be a great place to retire to in Florida, but the villages aren't heaven. You know, you heard the commercial, it's on TV. The village is America's friendliest hometown. And everyone can move down to the villages when they retire and they can go get their, their, they can play pickleball and shuffleboard and have arts and crafts and live their life out because they've made it. And not knocking anybody lives in the villages. And if that's your dream, you do you, boo. If that's your dream. My wife laughed again. I got two laughs today. I'm on fire today. Thank you, Kate, for laughing. It makes me feel better. I don't think anyone's laughing, but you laugh. I really, it just touches me right here. Thank you for that. But there's no way possible that, that Jesus Christ came to this earth so that you can end up in the villages in Florida and live out your days in relative ease and comfort. And have your grandkids visit you on Thanksgiving and you go back to visit them on Christmas. And that's the pinnacle of our dream and success. And Jesus Christ came to this earth so that you and I can end up in the villages. And I got to be honest with you. Heaven's not the villages either. There's no shuffleboard in heaven. There's no pickleball in heaven. There's no craft Wednesdays and art Thursdays and friend and family Fridays. That's not what this is all about. But somehow we've, I'm, my wife is over here having the best time. I appreciate that. I really do. Either you're laughing with me or, or, or at me. So I'll just take your laughing with me. Praise God. It's great sometimes to have a live audience. Appreciate all of y'all. But I can't see you. Thanks, Kate, for making me feel good. I appreciate it. There's no way possible that's what this is all about. But somehow we have created this existence that that's what would be. And we don't say that. We would never. We would never dare say that. That's not something we would admit, but that's something we're striving for. But what is God about? What is all this about? Let's look at a couple of things here real quickly this morning, if we can. Jesus said something interesting. I'll pull up on screen here if I can. Uh, whoops, the wrong button here. There we go. Let's look at this. John chapter 14. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me and the works that I do, he will do also. And then this is the thing that just is amazing when you think about it. Look at that next line. I underlined it for you so you don't miss it. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now notice that last part. I'm not going there today. But everybody talks about, well, I just ask anything in Jesus' name. I'm going to, he's going to do it. That's not the context there. It, 
Jesus' name is not an abracadabra magic trick potion. You just speak over whatever you need and magically it appears. He says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Is what you're asking God to do going to bring glory to God or is it going to bring glory to you? God, I need this and God, I do that. And I'd say all that in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. But the question is, who's going to get the glory? But look at that line. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Now, let's be honest for a moment. Just you and I here talking for a few moments this morning. Can we honestly look around in our, at, at what's going on and go, we're doing greater works than Jesus? I'm going to let that just pause for a moment and let you think about that because obviously we know the answer, but just think about that for a moment. Can you honestly say that we're doing greater works than Jesus today? Because I got to be frank with you, I don't see it. And that's not an, that's not being uh critical. I don't see it. Do you see it? No. Greater work so he do because I go to my father. But let's look at this for a second. Maybe we're missing something here. So we call him Jesus Christ, not to be not to be insulting to your intelligence this morning, but Jesus Christ is not his first and last name. My name's Joel Wright. First name Joel, last name Wright. It's not Jesus' first name, last name Christ's. Good to have the Christ's here today. Mr. Christ, Mrs. Christ. That's not what it means. Jesus, I got my wife to laugh. <laughs> Kate, you're just, you're just, I don't know. I just feel like my wife, maybe she's in a laughing mood today. I really appreciate that. This is just wonderful. It makes me feel so good. Uh, I, even when I'm not trying to be funny, or at least I feel like I'm just, at, at least I always tell somebody, if you're not going to be interested, at least don't be boring. So at least maybe I got that going for me this morning. If you're not, if you have no idea what's happening, at least hopefully you're not bored to death uh, watching me online. Uh, but Jesus is not his first name. Christ is not his last name. Jesus is his name. Jesus is his name. Christ, Christ represents his function. Christ being the anointed one. Jesus, the anointed one. Christ is func- his, his function. Now watch this. Who died on the cross? Ready? Drum roll. Jesus. Who was resurrected? Jesus. Who ascended to the Father? Jesus. Who said it is finished? Jesus. Who sat down on the right hand of the Father, sitting down representing a completion? Jesus. Jesus. But here's the point. What about the Christ, the anointing, the Jesus Christ? Uh, I know I'm, I'm just starting to mess with some of y'all theology for a second. Just hold on for a second before you go jump and ship on me thinking I'm, uh, and, and, and miss what I'm saying here. Jesus went into heaven. Jesus ascended to the Father. Jesus sat down in completion. Jesus said on Calvary, it is finished. But Christ, mm, you ready for this? Christ, Changed bodies. Woo! 
watch it now. You're going to miss it. The anointing, the residency of the Spirit of God shifted bodies. Oh, I don't know about all that. Okay, let's just see what happens. Let's see. Let's go to Romans chapter 8, verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus... From the dead. I know, I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to be calm online, but I'm just getting excited reading this. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Meaning, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now abides in us. Wait a minute. Who? Us? Me? Now here's, here's, here we go. Ready? This is the, this is, this is the, the clause in the contract where if you're not careful, you don't read the fine print. You think you're getting something you may not be getting. Because yes, Christ dwells in, but notice this. We have Jesus Christ. Jesus died. Jesus was resurrected. Jesus ascended. But Christ changed bodies. Ready? Jesus Christ sat down. But now you and I together, not individual. This is the point. This is the fine print. You got to read it. Because you say greater works, so you do. You go to the Father. Well, I should be going around right now to the hospitals talking cancer victims up. People with 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 uh, incurable diseases be healed. I should be doing all that because I have greater works than he that because he went to the Father. Wait a minute. I can't do that without the Spirit of Christ. I can't do those things without Christ being in me, the Spirit of God being in me. But here's the point. How do those things function and what vehicle do they function through? So Jesus Christ was the representation of that. But he goes to heaven and he switches that role from the man Christ Jesus to who? Who gets to fulfill that role on earth? Ooh, I know some of you already know the answer, but just in case you don't know the answer, who's fulfilling that role? Jesus left and vacated that role, but he left the spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus was left on this earth. Who did it pass to? What is the church called? What are you and I collectively called as the church? Are we the body of Antioch? Are we the body of, 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 of North America? Are we the body of this or the body of that? No. What are we called in, in scripture? We are the body of somebody tell me a little bit. I know you can say it out loud. We're the body of Christ. Watch me now. Watch. So that means we collectively as the church who is the body of Christ collectively are going to do greater works than Jesus did because he went to the father. Meaning he went to the father and then his the spirit that empowered him to do all of these things has been transitioned and left on this earth. To the body of Christ, meaning you and I, meaning I have a part of the, of, of Christ. You've got a part of the, of Christ. But when we get together, woo, we become the fullness of Christ on this earth. 
Why do you think the devil fights the power that the church has? Why do you think the devil wants you and I? I know I'm getting a little fired up, but you can't talk about this stuff with a calm voice. So forgive me if I'm a little excited this morning. But why do you think the devil wants us to think about church as just a way to come to get a 10 goosebumps and, and, and break a sweat and get our Fitbit to get up a list and say, wow, I burned 13 calories today. What a great song. No, do you really think that's what this is all about? No wonder the devil wants us to make it into some kind of social club where we come and we get, we have a, we have a few songs and we hear, and we hear an inspiring message, but we get it all in about an hour, 15 minutes. We can go do our life. My friend, do you not realize that the body of Christ has been called by God himself? Jesus Christ said that we are going to do greater work so that when we and I, when you and I come together, when you and I join together as the body of Christ, we are bringing the same power, the same anointing, the same thing that Christ Jesus had. We are that same representative because he's still the head of his body. Now, I, 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 now let's 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 stop for a moment here for a moment, because I know some of you are your head spinning and some of you are arguing with me. That's OK. You really when you think about all that. Is that really why Jesus Christ came to die? Is that why Jesus came so that you and I can have some inspiration because our world's so hard. Life's so hard right now. You have no idea. Oh, I just I don't know what to do. It's so difficult out there. Really? That doesn't sound like what we just read. The same Jesus that raised the same spirit that raised Jesus now dwells in us. And we sit around like we're some kind of poor little people that come together in this little event we call come, you know, we call uh gatherings or we call small groups or whatever it is. And we come together and we just do a little, you know, five minute devotional and a few minutes of patting each other. And then we talk about all of our problems and all our life. Or then some of us talk about how great our life is and makes the rest of us feel like our life stinks because you're having a great life and you're posting about where you're going. And we're sitting in our in our house. We got, you know, we're struggling to pay our bills and our our. Our, our marriage is in turmoil and our kids are struggling and we're like, this, this just can't be right. We go to God and say, God, you're not fair because why are you blessing them? And then, and whoa, 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 time out. Is that really what this is about? We're the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. Notice what he said. Notice I didn't put this on my on screen, but let's just go. I, I'm going to pull it up real quick if I can. Luke four sixteen. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boy, boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood and read the scriptures. And the scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed him. And he enrolled the scroll and found where the place where it is written. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. There's the Christ. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus became the Christ because the anointing came upon him. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the, to uh, proclaim that captives be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. And the time of the Lord's favor has come. That's what we're supposed, this is what it's about. And I said this, I've said it now the last couple weeks. I, I don't want to offend you today, but I want to tell you the truth. If you think that all this 
is for you to come to, to church once a week and do your little devotional. And then you go home and you live your life. And that's all that's about. I got to be frank with you. You're not reading the same book I'm reading. Because I said that there's some foundational things that God is showing us that are going to be major, uh, that are going to be major to framing where we're going as Antioch West. And I want to pull a portion of scripture up to you today that are, that's, that's huge. In fact, before we go there, I don't have this in my, uh, on a slide, but I want to read this to you because I know a lot of you know this scripture, but I want to read it to you again. Let's go to, if we can, just for a moment, let me pull it up here. Ephesians chapter four. I've used this now, I don't know how many times in the last couple of years, but I want to read it again. I'm going to read it out of the ESV if I can this morning. Give me a second. Let me change. Verse 11. And he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. There's that word again, the body of Christ, until we all obtain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature mature manhood, to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. What does that mean? That means we should be moving towards maturity. We should be moving towards being fully equipped in our mission so what's this all about? Well, Jesus already gave it what it's all about. And this is where I want to just get to you for the next few minutes today because this is pivotal. So you got to ask yourself the question. Ephesians 4, huge. All of Ephesians, Paul is laying out what how God sees the church. Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2, Ephesians 3. Paul is laying out what how God sees what we call the church and we as a part of that. In fact, in Ephesians, he says that that God is going to show his wisdom through the church to the heavenly heavenly beings, meaning that there's some things that even the angels don't know that's going to be revealed by and through the church. Now, that's that's amazing, astonishing when you think about it. But he says all this is predicated upon something extremely important. And this is where you and I come in. This is why this is important. So I don't care if you're brand new today or you've been around for 30 years. All this is relevant to you and I today. And this is what God's about. And if you don't understand this, you and God are going to continue to butt heads because his expectations and your expectations are going to cause major clashing. And all of that, all of this, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 hinge and are predicated upon Ephesians 4, verse 11, 12, and 13, actually through 16, but we'll just use 11 through 13. And that is, in order for God to manifest all that Paul said in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, he knew that could not be done just by happenstance, that there had to be a plan in place. So he said, okay, in order for this to be accomplished, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give... Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. They're going to be my gift to the church to do this. Not so that the church can serve these five uh, five giftings, but that so these five giftings can empower the church. But here's the point. I'm going to give these to the church to equip the church. One scripture says, one translation says, to fully equip not just equip, but to fully equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. 
So the question I have to you today, and the question that we have to ask ourselves is, if Paul is saying we're to be equipped or fully equipped, what is the definition of fully equipped? What does it mean to be fully equipped? Well, I believe Jesus already gave us the framework of what it means means to be fully equipped. And this, my friend, a part of Antioch West, those of you that are a part of Antioch West, this is going to be a framework by which God is going to operate and it's going to drive us into 2023. If you want to know if we could pick up, pick out what God's going to do in 2023, this is going to be a huge part of it because we've got to become fully equipped so that we can move into not only the work of the ministry, but to maturity in Christ. So here's the, here's, here's what Jesus said. You know it, but I'll read it again. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel of every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who believe, who does not believe shall, will be condemned. And these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That was great. That's neat. Oh, that's so, that's a good little bumper sticker. Let's put that on a t-shirt, walk around because isn't that great? No, I'm sorry, my friend. It's bigger than that. It's much bigger than that. And we're going to look at this verse here and we're going to look at it a little differently. And what I want to do today for the next few minutes is I want to break this verse down into these different sections. And I'm not going to be able to go. I'm not expounding on any of these because this is a part of equipping that we're talking about. I just want to break this down to you today so you understand something as we move forward as a part of what God's doing. This is why we do small groups. This is why we're doing small groups. This is why we we're taking the, the emphasis all uh, off of just coming together and having a good church service and hearing a good inspiring message so we can go out and live our best life. No, 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 no. We're called to fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ. And so in order to fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ, we've got to be equipping. Equipping to do what? Equipping to fulfill the mission he's given us. Well, how do you equip? It's not just about teaching, but it's about training. It's about living and working and, 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 and shaping these things out in our, in our life. Taking it from being a hearer of the word to being a doer of the word. Now watch this here. Let's break this down. Verse 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's the first part about this verse. But there's two things that this verse gives us that we can expound upon. We're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, later on, Paul says, how can they go? How how can they hear without a preacher? Meaning preachers, not just we've made preacher out to be what I do. Well, he's the preacher. No, no, no. Preaching is to be done by everybody. Preaching is to proclaim. We're to all, all of us are called to proclaim. There's not one term. We use this term. Some of you may not be familiar with this terminology, but we use this terminology. And that is, um, I'm called to preach. Well, congratulations, my fellow brother or sister. We're all called to preach. I've been called to preach. Great. I don't know, not trying to sound um, mean here, but if you think that makes you special, 
It does because we're all called to preach. Congratulations. Oh, oh, I, I just, I, I, forgive me. This is a little soapbox and it's probably not Jesus. This is a lot of Joel, right? So for the next five seconds, just dismiss what I'm saying. But please, please, please don't come to me and tell me, well, I'm called to preach. Congratulations. Mark 16 said, we're all called to preach. We've made called to preach some kind of like pinnacle that the elite do. Well, hello, uh, I'm called to preach. And next time someone tells you that, if you really want to watch their head explode, this is not Jesus. This is Joel. So I'm just pretend for the next few minutes, I'll come back and edit this out later. (laughs) But if you ever want to see someone's head explode, when they say, man, I was called to preach. And some people actually give you a date. On December 11th, 2022, God called me to preach. Mess with them. Say, you know what? That's awesome. You know when I was called to preach? 2,000 years ago, Mark 16, verse 15. They'll look at you like, huh? Say, yeah, I was called to preach. The same day you were called to preach. So not to bust your bubble, but if you're called to preach, congratulations. So are all, we are all called to preach. And if you're here today and you're on the opposite side of that, you're like, well, I'm not called to preach. Hate to break it down to you, sister and brother, but you are called to preach. The problem is, there's another little soapbox for a moment. We may called to preach attached to a pulpit. Well, I'm sorry. I, I forgot. Oh, what, what, what? What verse was it in Acts? Oh, it was, oh, it's in Acts somewhere. Uh, I think it's Acts 72, verse 11. Uh, it says, Thou shalt proclaim my word only from a wooden or glass or metal lectern. And therefore, if it doesn't come from behind one of those, it doesn't count. That's right. I forgot. You know, sometimes these translators, they mess things up. I forgot. In the story of Paul on Mars Hill, you know, when he proclaimed to those that they're worshiping, we, it doesn't say this. It's in the Greek originally, but they didn't translate it off. In the original Greek, it says, before Paul spoke, he said, Hey, could someone go get me a pulpit for a second? I need to put it here because what I'm about to say is preaching and therefore I can't do it unless I have a pulpit. And so what they said was there was a little man named Mark and a little man named Philip. They ran off. They grabbed the pulpit, came back, sat there. And then Paul could proclaim to those on Mars Hill because he can only do that from behind a pulpit. I know I'm being a little hard. But come on, that's where we've got to sort of like, come on, seriously. So. It says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Guess what? You and I are called to preach. But later on in Romans chapter 10, it says, how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they, well, let's go read that because I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna to try to paraphrase it, but my mind's going too fast here and I'm going to mess it up. Verse 14, how then will they call on him who have they not believed? And how did they believe in whom have they never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Wait a minute. We've got to be sent. Well, guess what? Jesus already took care of that. Isn't he cool? Jesus takes care of so much. He's such a nice guy. 
Because Jesus said in John chapter 20, verse 21, he says, as the father has sent me, also I send you. So what does that mean? That the first part, let me put it back up here again. The first part here in purple that you see in purple, go into all the world, preach the gospel is we're been, we've been sent. We've been sent by God to be his representatives, meaning we're to be like him, look like him, act like him, think like him, to be like him. Because he sent us. He sent us to preach to every creature. That means to men, to women, to anybody, every human being. I'll say it this way, and I'm probably going to get myself in trouble for saying this. We're to preach to males, to females, to non-binary. We're to preach to everybody. The good news of Jesus Christ. The good news. Every creature. Nobody should be excluded from hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. We shouldn't look at anybody and go, well, I don't think they need to hear because they've done this or they do this or they wear this or they act like this. Everybody gets to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And a part of that, the next part about this is, so we're equipped. First part of equipping is to know who has sent us and to know why he has sent us. The second part of equipping is to know he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who believes not will be condemned. So let's let's get to this. Let's ask you a couple questions. We're going to get to the rest of the list here in a moment. We'll just get to the punchline here. I'm running out of time this morning. So let me ask you, and part of this isn't your fault. Part of this is because the church has failed the people of the church. So I'm not going to blame this on you, but I'm telling you, this is God's expectation of us. So that means we as the church have got to be equipping so that each person that's a part of the church can fulfill this list. This is not an arbitrary list. This list go into all the world. Uh, one, he who believes two, uh, in my name, cast out three orange is four green is five and the purple there. Is or the pink, purple, magenta, is six. So there's six things there at least. There's more, but we're going to pare it down to six things. There's six things there that is expected for every single, per, every single person. That means you. Yes, you. You. Think about that before you dismiss me. Who does this list leave out? Who is this list for? Oh, this is for the preacher. This is for the, the ministers. This is for the full-time people. Or this is for the super spiritual. No, this is God's expectation for every believer. So let me ask you this. Can you, right now, fulfill everything on this list? And if you can't, and I'm telling you right now, we, we don't then we need to be equipping so that every person that's a part of Antioch West can fulfill every single one of these things on this list. Well, what about my problems? What about God's expectations? Well, what about what I'm going through? What about God's expectations? Because I will tell you this, the Lord told me this years ago. If you take care of his kingdom, he'll take care of your kingdom. So you want... You want your, you want God to work in your life? Take care of his 
Take care of his stuff first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So let's go back to our list real quick if we can. So number one, we got to know who sent us. We got to know why we're being sent and we got to know what we're being sent for. That's part of equipping. The second thing is he who believes and baptized will be saved and he who believes or not will be condemned. We've got to know what does the Bible say? About salvation. What does the Bible say about redemption? What are the things that we need to be able to give an answer for? Can you right now give me an answer for the things in the Bible that pertain to baptism, faith? What does the Bible say it takes to enter into the kingdom of heaven? What does the Bible say it takes to be redeemed? What does the Bible say it takes to be saved? Can you right now, not me, don't look at me as well. What do you say, pastor? What is the verse? No, can you tell me, can you give me book, chapter, verses of those things? If you can't, I'm not trying to beat you up. But are you fulfilling the call of Jesus Christ? Not Joel Wright's idea, not Antioch West. Are we doing what Jesus Christ told us to do? And if we can't say yes to these things, then we've got to be equipped until we can say yes to every one of these things. Now watch this. And when you're doing these things, verse 17 says, and these will follow those who believe. Let's do some more equipping. In my name, they will cast out demons. I'm going to hold on that for just a second. Let me ask you this question here. We're almost done because I know some of you are going to need to take a breath when all this is finished because this is, this is putting it on you. This is, this is putting a framework on things that are like, wait a minute. I don't know if I didn't sign up for that. Well, I'm sorry. You should have read the fine print. It was in there. In my name, they will cast out devils. Do you have confidence right now that you can have authority over every spirit? Can you walk to someone who's under the influence of spirit and with confidence speak to that person and believe that those devils are going to listen to you and be subject to the authority that you carry? In order to have authority, you've got to understand submission to what God is doing in your life. You've got to be submitted to God. You've got to be submitted to his will because you can't have authority unless you're under authority. So if you don't have submission to his will, you're not submitted to God in your life. You don't have any authority. So in order to cast out devils, you got to understand what authority is and what authority, what it takes to have authority because you can't be running your own life and have authority. So notice these things. When we start talking about these things, it starts to get into every aspect of our life. So it's it's the are you a believer because it says these signs shall follow those that believe and that was a blanket of all believers should be able to do this do you as a believer have the confidence and the understanding and the knowledge to be able to speak to demonic powers and believe that they're going to listen to you do you have the confidence to speak to someone who is bound by a spirit and believe and when you speak you have the authority that they can be set free in order to do that, you've got to understand what authority is. You've got to understand how do you have authority. you got to understand how you keep authority. Some more equipping needs to be done. The next part about that is this. They will speak with new tongues. What does that mean? New is fresh. That word new is not just talking about brand new for the first time, but it's talking not just about a new tongue, but a refreshed tongue. Does the Spirit of God actively work in your life? Look, Romans 8. Let's go. Romans 8. I'm going to do a quick, some quick equipping. I'm all over the map today and I'm throwing a lot at you, but 
I'm just, this is, I'm having way too much fun. There is no now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. For God has done a law weakened by the flesh, cannot do by sending his own son the likeness, but condemns sin in flesh in order righteousness required of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Verse 5 of Romans 8, meaning, in order to speak with new tongue, to have fresh flow of the Spirit of God in my life, I've got to walk in the Spirit. I've got to have the mind of the Spirit. And not only that, but do I know how to have the confidence that if somebody wants to receive the Spirit of God, that I can help them have that experience. Someone came up to you right now and said, you know what, I've never had the experience of receiving the Spirit of God. Would you help me do that? Can you do that? Can you do it without picking up your phone and making a call and say, hey, can you come help me? Do you have the ability right now, the confidence to be able to be with anybody in any circumstance, any situation? Because honestly, it's wonderful to see somebody receive the Spirit of God in a church setting. But it's something more amazing to see God fill somebody in a setting that is right where they're living. I'll never forget. We were visiting Brother George Doolin in the hospital. He was battling with cancer and we went to see him. And he was really struggling physically and and uh we were there seeing him, myself and Bishop Wright were there, and um we were talking with George for a few minutes and, and, uh, when we were sort of getting towards the end, um, we asked, you know, we, we, we were going to pray with him. So we begin to pray. And while we were praying, we noticed we could hear a noise and, 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 and we noticed that someone had come into the room and we weren't sure who it was. And so we snuck a quick peek and noticed that it was a, one of the, the, um, hospital staff had come in to to get some stuff and and change out some things in his room but when she came in she was very respectful she stood and waited while we prayed and while we prayed man there was such a powerful wonderful sweet beautiful spirit of god that came in that room there that day with with george and where we could just feel the love of jesus christ in that room and she prayed and you could tell man you could just sense god was there with her and we were said and done. We walked over to her and, and, and we said, we don't want to intrude. But we believe God sent you to this room at this time because he loved you. And big old tears started to well up in her eyes. And we said, would you, would you mind if we pray for you? She said, oh, please do. And we begin to pray with her in just a few minutes. Boy, you could feel the power of God begin to, to manifest with her on, and on her. And we stopped and we said, by chance, have you ever received the spirit of God in your life? She said, actually, no. But she said, I've always wanted to, but I don't know how. We said, do you want to receive it today? Right here, right now? She said, that would be awesome. A few minutes later, she lifted her hands. We talked to her for a few moments, lifted her hands, began to pray. And about 30 seconds, God filled her with his spirit right there in that hospital. She lifted her hands, tears flowing down her face right there in her in her scrubs and everything as God filled her with his spirit. Do you have the confidence that that can happen for you?
through you. If not, you need to be equipped. How about this one? We're almost done. Two left. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly in anything deadly, it will not. It will by no means hurt them. Now, let me just say this. I know some of you panic at that because I panic at that because honestly, I don't really want to be touching snakes, and I'm not interested in drinking antifreeze or anything else that's poison to prove that scripture. And what's crazy is there is a small group of churches in West Virginia and Tennessee that take this verse literally, and they believe that you can dance with snakes, and they've got snakes, poisonous snakes, rattlesnakes, and they believe that that scripture says they should be able to take those things up, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't hurt them. And if you get bit by one of those snakes and you die, it's because you weren't right with God. Now, God bless them, but I don't believe that's what that scripture means. Serpents or that kind of stuff and drinking deadly things was relevant to that life, that that what was going on in that life at that time. Really what I believe is... This is speaking of, and we'll get into this later down the road when we get to this part of equipping. It says you'll take up serpents and drink anything that will not by no means hurt them. Really, it's talking about overcoming fear, having power over fear, fear of nature, fear of, of, of natural things, fear of things, uh, sickness, disease, having Fear. And we all know the power of that because we just lived through that in 2020. The fear of things that we did not know. The Bible says every believer should have power over fear in their life. We're going to get to that later. And finally, the last one in this, and they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Do you have confidence that you can pray and God will heal somebody? Now, I will tell you just for a second. We'll get into this later. That doesn't mean you start just going around and just praying for everybody. Because if you're a child of God, you're in a different category. We'll talk about this later. But let's go back real quick to our list. Do you feel like right now as a believer, you you are fulfilling everything on this list? You're confident with everything on this list. Do you believe that you know who you are, whose you are? Do you believe you know that you're sent by God as his representative, as Christ has sent, uh, has been sent, so send he you to be like him? Do you believe, do you know the mission? Do you understand that? Number two, do you believe and know fully what it means to be baptized, to be saved? Do you know what it means? Where's that line in scripture that we all have to fulfill? Do you believe you have authority? Over the adversary. Do you have the spirit of God operating in your life? Bringing fresh and new things to you every day. Are you actively living with the spirit of God in your life every day? Do you believe you have. You have. Uh, uh, authority and. And victory over fear in your life. And do you believe. That. God hears you when you pray. Do you believe you can speak to the mountain. Now, if you can't answer some of those stuff on that list, don't, there's nothing wrong. You haven't failed, but that's why we have to equip because all of the mission of go was built on the ability to understand how these things should be operating in our life. Because if you're going to go, here's what God's going to give to you to go. Basically, I, I, 
it's a sad situation and, and there's a lot of political things to it. So I don't, I don't want to just throw it out there, but I was reading that the Russians were sending some of their soldiers to war and they were expecting their soldiers to go out and buy their own equipment. So some guys who had money were able to buy their own, uh, bulletproof vests, their own helmets, their own guns. Because the Russian army did not have enough to fully equip their soldiers. But the guys that did not have the resources were going off to war with no guns, no proper clothing for the winter, no proper protective gear. In fact, they were told, if you're coming to war, bring your own medical equipment, medical gear. So guys were who had the means were going and buying their own bandages, their own stuff for wound care. But the guys who didn't have the resources were going off to war with just basically the clothes on their back and the fullness of their equipping. I, I read this somewhere that some of them were being sent off the war. And because of their limited resources that the Russians had, they were giving each of them two bullets to fire out of a gun. Never fired a gun before here. What we're going to do. You got two bullets to te- to, to learn and they could shoot. They could fire two Two rounds of ammunition. And that was all they could do. And they were sent off to the front lines to fight. And the sad part about it is they said that these men are being slaughtered by the thousands. To be honest with you, I feel like that's what the church has done. We've given, we've said, you know what? You need to be equipped. So you need to go out and do it. Go get your own equipment. Go get this. Go get that. Go get this. Oh, we'll equip you. Here's two Two rounds of ammunition. Fire twice. Okay, you're ready to go. And we're sending people out on mission and they're getting slaughtered. But if you have ever been in the military, I haven't, but I I'm, understand it. Come from a military family. A lot of you are in the military. You've told me your stories about what it's like. The military trains and equips and trains and equips and trains and equips. And they'll train and equip for one week of a mission, one day of a mission, one hour of a mission. They'll train and equip to make sure you're ready to fulfill that mission. Jesus Christ has a mission. You and I have to be trained and equipped to do that mission. So Antioch West, 2023, the year of equipping. Not to be equipped to de-equipped, but be equipped so that we can fulfill the mission that Jesus Christ has for us. So get ready. You're going to be hearing about this more in the next couple weeks. We're going to be equipping so that we can go fulfill what Jesus Christ has for the church to be. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. And I want you to be a part of it because I want to be a part of it. And I want us, want to, want us to be a part of it together in Jesus' name.